the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Judges. care how sweet something looks if it violates your relationship with the Lord it's never worth it it's never worth it and many of us have learned the hard way we thought it was so sweet oh in the moment it was but anything that looks sweet that interferes in our relationship with the Lord is never worth it no matter how tasty it looks no matter how enticing it seems to be it is never worth it As we study the story of Samson with Pastor Gary in today's message, we'll witness a prime example of wasted potential. Samson was incredibly gifted with a superhuman level of strength because of his devotion to God. But he ended up a broken man because he let temptation lure him in, and we'll never know what God could have used him for. God still used him even after his compromise, just like he'll use you. But just imagine what he can do in and through you if you stay faithful and resist temptation. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Judges, chapter 13, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. You wouldn't cut your hair. You wouldn't do anything related to the grapevine. You wouldn't go near dead bodies. You, and, and so you would be consecrated to the Lord. And, and, and you would determine that. It was something you could self-determine. I want to do a 60-day. I want to do a 100-day. Whatever amount it was. Now, Samson was unique in that what God wanted of Samson was his entire life. For his entire life, not 30, 60, or 100 days, for his entire life, he is to be under a Nazarite vow. And what we're going to find out when we read through these chapters here is that he ends up violating, or at the very least, seriously compromising all the conditions of the vow that are supposed to separate him unto the Lord. So, this is his story. Let's keep reading. Verse 6, so the woman came, this is Samson's mother, and told her husband, saying, a man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God, very awesome. But I did not ask where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. And then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. 
And so, you know, so Mrs. Manoa, we'll call her Mrs. Manoa because she's got no name here. So Mrs. Manoa comes to Manoa and says, you're never going to believe this. I was out in the fields. This angel of the Lord appeared to me, and I don't even know where he's from. I didn't even get his name, but he said, I'm going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby. And he's to be under a Nazarite vow. And Manoa goes, did you get anything more out of him? No, I didn't get anything more of an address, an email, something, nothing. I didn't get anything. Twitter, something, nothing. I didn't get a thing. So he, so then he starts praying, oh God, I want to see this guy. You know, I, I want to hear for myself. Would you please cause him to reappear? Well, verse nine says, and God listened to the voice of Manoah and the angel of God came, but look, not to, not to Manoah. The angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field, but Manoah, her husband was not with her. And then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, look, look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah arose and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said to him, are you the man who spoke to this woman? That seems like that's not not very kind. Do you speak to this woman? You know, you would normally say, do you speak to my lovely wife? Do you speak to this woman? But that's just a cultural thing he's, he's doing there. And he said, I am. That's kind of interesting, right? He's the great I am. You see here a revelation of who this angel is. We'll see it even further in a moment. And Manoah said, now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? So like, give me a little instruction. How am I going to raise this kid? We've never had any kids. I'm not sure what to do. They don't come with an instruction manual. I'm really desperate here. What's going to be the rule of this kid's life? And what will he end up doing? What will be his work? What's going to be his career here? Okay. It's like a good dad asking those kind of questions, right? And so verse 13, so the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please let us detain you and we will prepare a young goat for you. So it's like stay for dinner. You know, we, we want to learn more. So, that, you know, they're excited about this. And, and so it's not every day like the Lord shows up, you know, and, and so he's like, we want to we want to cook dinner for you. We'll prepare a young goat. And it says in verse 16 that the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. Notice, for Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. So it's interesting. So the Lord says here, I'm not going to eat your food. Thank you very much for your hospitality. I'm not going to stay for dinner. But you can make a burnt offering. If you want to sacrifice a burnt offering to the Lord, it says, verse 17, Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, that when your words come to pass, we may honor you? And the angel, here we go, And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Isaiah 9, 6, And his name shall be Wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's just revealed who he is in that statement right there. Why do you want to know my name? My name is wonderful. That's Isaiah 9, 6. So he is revealing himself as the Lord, as the great I am. And so Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord, to the Lord, And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. Look at this. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. 
And when the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, now this is even more clear, look at this, we shall surely die, he thinks, because we have seen God. Elohim is the word in the Hebrew right there for God. So he knows this is no ordinary angel of the Lord. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. This is God who's taken on human form to appear to them. And so Manoah is afraid they're going to die. He says, because we have seen God. We have seen Elohim. But his wife here is the voice of reason. She says in verse 23, she says to him, now if the Lord, now she uses his proper name. This is Yahweh right there. If the Lord, if Yahweh had desired to kill us, He would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things as these at this time. So he's like, I think we're going to die. We just saw God. She's like, if we were going to die, he would have killed us by now. Like we just had him for dinner, you know, and and he didn't want to eat the food, but he offered, we offered a sacrifice to him. That would have kind of been the time for, for him to kill us if he really wanted to kill us. Now, listen. There's something not said here that I think is important to point out. And this is a little, I don't know, um, maybe a little counseling moment for some of you married couples, okay? (laughs) He says something there out of fear. And she doesn't jump all over him and be like, you mamsy, come on, man up. (laughs) Who's this for? I don't know. But it's like, she doesn't shame him. She doesn't say, man up, come on, what do you mean we would die? She's just like, no, let's just think this through. Let's be reasonable. And she reasons with him. But she doesn't shame him. She doesn't. She's just like, no, let's just think this through. And he's like, okay, all right, you're right. That's just for somebody at no extra cost. I don't know who that's to. (laughs) And so, verse 24, so the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. Now, Samson in Hebrew means sonny. Now, not S-O-N-N-Y, not like Sonny Jurgensen, like, hey, Sonny boy, not Sonny, but S-U-N-N-Y. And I wonder if she, if they've named him Sonny because of how the Lord appeared to them and then in the fire of the altar, just kind of, you know, as he was, uh, you know, lit up and illuminated, the Lord rose. And so we're going to remember this moment. We're going to call our kid Sunshine, you know, Sonny. And so that's his name. That's what Samson means. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahane Dan, which just translates the camp of Dan, between Zorah and Eshtaol. Now let's read a little bit into chapter 14. We're not going to get too far here because we're going to run out of time. But I want you to notice between chapter 13 and 14, there's about a 20-year gap. Because we're, we, we see that he's born at the end of chapter 13. And now into chapter 14, he wants a wife. And it is believed he's about 20 years of age now. So chapter 14, verse 1 says, Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Here we go. The Philistines are the enemies. The Philistines are the ones who have been oppressing the Israelites for 40 years. And he goes down and he sees a woman, a daughter of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Does it sound a little entitled right there? It's like your boss and mom and dad around. Like, get me a wife. Sounds like a middle school kid wanting an iPhone. What are you, you're just like, what are you telling us? Like, we don't, we don't take orders from you. He's going to tell them twice in the same chapter, a few verses later. Get me this woman. Well, verse 3, and says, Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren, among the Israelites? 
or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? Now, this is a great question that they're asking him. They're like, you know, aren't there any women here among the Israelites? You got to go picking a woman from among the Philistines who are these pagan, worshiping, wicked people who don't honor God, don't worship God. You really want one of those women among the Philistines is a very important question. Because here he is, you know, that you begin to see him, you know, moved by the flesh. He's not really thinking. You know, he's just more moved by the flesh. And let me tell you something. If you want to honor God, especially when it comes to relationships, you better be looking for someone who shares the same values and beliefs and has a relationship with Jesus like you do. Because if you, you know, for some of you right now, this is, again, free information for some of you who are like, you see some sizzling hot Philistine where you work. And you're like, yeah, but Pastor G, you don't know what a nice person this guy is. He's really nice. Uh, he's just so nice. He's just really sizzling hot Philistine. Yeah. And so I just want to, you know, flirt to convert. No. No. Don't flirt to convert. Put up a wall so you don't fall. That's what you need to be doing. Right? <laughs> Put up a wall so you don't fall. Don't be flirting to converting. You know, that's not the, that's not, that's missionary dating, right? And so, and so the father and mother asking him a good question is like, why do you want to get tangled up with this girl? She doesn't worship the same God. She doesn't believe the, the same things we do. As the Bible teaches this kind of thing, right? Second Corinthians 6, 14, not being unequally yoked, a believer and a non-believer in a relationship is not a good thing. And so he repeats it after they ask him that question. The end of verse three, he repeats, and Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. All right, look at verse six, or the next verse, what is that? Verse uh, four, but his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Now wait, now wait, right there. Some of you are going to go, well, there's the verse right there. It's okay to date that that non-believer. That's missionary dating right there. It's in the Bible. Okay, look. You know, it's also in the Bible that God told Hosea the prophet to marry a prostitute. That doesn't mean a principle. That just was a one-off. And there was a reason why God told Hosea to do that, because Gomer was a picture of Israel. She had prostituted herself by following other gods, was was committing sexual immorality in that sense, was like committing adultery, going after another lover instead of loving God. And so God said to the prophet Hosea, as a symbol to the nation, I want you to marry a prostitute so that they will know that despite their unfaithfulness, I still love them. And you're going to love that prostitute as a picture of my love for the people who have committed spiritual adultery against me okay there are one-off times where god says do this and do that that doesn't create a principle or a pattern for us to follow this is not a principle or a pattern for us to follow here but in fact god was going to allow samson to marry and even that is disputed because when you look at the chapter it seems to indicate that they have the feast for the marriage but they don't consummate it and by the end of chapter 14 God gives the woman check this out if you don't think this is painful God ends up giving the woman to Samson's best man yeah ouch so 
it's not even clear if he actually consummated the marriage with her. She's going to be referred to as his wife in this chapter, but in the same way that when, they were, when people were betrothed, when Mary and Joseph were betrothed, before they came together, they were considered under that custom as husband and wife, and it was binding even though they had not yet consummated the marriage. So there's some different aspects of marital relationships in the scriptures compared to the way it is today. So we're not even sure that he ended up consummating the marriage with her and only perhaps went through the part of the feast ceremony. But regardless, God has allowed it here because he's going to set up the Philistines. It's all part of God's eventual defeat here, the Philistines. But so I want you to notice now, it says, we'll just read a little bit further here. So verse five, so Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now, wait a minute. Look at our list. No eating, drinking, anything from the grapevine. What are you doing dancing in the vineyards? Why are you hanging out in the vineyards? Well, these are slow indications of compromise. And so he's, he comes to the vineyards of Timnah. It says, now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. Read that slowly, just like, you want to you know how he did this? You want to know how he tore a young lion apart? The same way you tear a young goat apart, that's how. <laughs> okay, all right, I get it now, Yeah, because I'm... I'm I'm shredding goats all the time. So now I, I understand what, he's, what, that, what that is. And it says, though he had nothing in his hands. So this is just his bare hands. He's ripping his lion apart. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Why do you suppose he didn't want to tell mom or dad? Because any guy who just ripped a lion apart with his bare hands would want everybody to know. So why didn't he want to tell them? Because he's in the vineyards when it happened. And you don't want to tell mom and dad. Hey, I just... I just tore this line apart. Really? Where did that happen? Well, I was, uh, uh, never mind. You know, because he's not supposed to be in the vineyards. He's not supposed to be hanging out there. You're getting, you're getting dangerously close. He is a picture of someone who just kept pressing the envelope, getting right up to the edge until eventually it's going to all lead to a very humiliating death. So he had no business being in the vineyards. So now he's not going to tell anybody what he's done here with this lion. It's recorded for us, but he doesn't tell his mom or dad. Verse 7, then he went down and talked with the woman. This is the woman that he's attracted to. And she pleased Samson well. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. Okay, this is the same lion. So sometime later, he goes back. There's the carcass of the lion. What's number three on the list? You're not supposed to be around a dead body. That's not just a human being. That's any carcass. That's any animal. Anything that was dead. Now he's around the carcass, and behold, it says, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. During the time, I mean, you know, bees will make a, a nest uh, wherever they jolly well please. It seems kind of weird to be inside, you know, the, the dead carcass of a lion, but that's where they decide to make this hive, and, uh, and there's honey now inside the carcass of this lion. What does Samson do? Verse 9. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. And when he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Here we go again. 
Now, there's two reasons here why he didn't tell them that he took the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Number one, because point number three on our list, you're not supposed to be around a dead body. So you have to imagine with great dexterity, Samson's like, okay, I'm going to roll up my sleeve and I'm just going to, I can't touch this dead body. I'm not even really supposed to be near it, but as long as I don't like, you know, really touch the dead body, just want to get a little bit of this honey. And so that he takes this honey out with him. Okay, so that's one reason you don't want to tell mom or dad because that's a violation number three on the list. The other reason you don't want to tell mom and dad as they're eating it, you got it out of a dead carcass. Who wants to eat honey out of a dead carcass? That's not the most appetizing thing. Do you know what I'm saying to you? So he doesn't tell mom or dad. What a picture this is though, isn't it? Of somebody who's just playing with fire. It's like, I know I'm not really supposed to be here. I know I'm not supposed to be near this dead body, but there's something really sweet I don't care how sweet something looks, if it violates your relationship with the Lord, it's never worth it. It's never worth it. And many of us have learned the hard way. We thought it was so sweet. Oh, in the moment it was. But anything that looks sweet, that interferes in our relationship with the Lord, is never worth it. No matter how tasty it looks, no matter how enticing it seems to be, it is never worth it worth it. Just a couple more verses. And so his father went down to the woman and Samson gave a feast there for young men used to do so. Well, they still do. It's called a bachelor party. (laughs) And it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. Of course. I mean, if you're going to have a bachelor party, you you have no problem drumming up 30 other friends who want to come and drink with you. This is a drinking feast. This is what's happening here. Now he's not supposed to be, it doesn't say that he actually drank But he's around it. He's around the alcohol. He's around the carcass. He's in the vineyards. I mean, this guy is just, you know, one little compromise after another, after another, after another. We're going to close there because the next verse, he starts into a riddle. So we'll talk about the riddle next week. But I I just want to, I've referred to this this story before, but I'm just going to repeat it again because we're at a place here where it talks about these little compromises, little tiny compromise, little compromise. What can it do? What can be the great damage? On February the 1st, 2003, the space shuttle Columbia disintegrated upon re-entry to Earth from outer space, killing all seven crew members on board. And it was later determined that a small piece of foam insulation had broken off during takeoff resulting in a small six-inch gouge to the underside of Columbia's left wing. And upon re-entry to Earth, that small gouge allowed hot atmospheric gases to penetrate and destroy the internal wing structure. And when that happened, everything else disintegrated. A 230,000-pound aircraft, 122 feet long, 56 feet high, with a wingspan of 78 feet all disintegrated because of a small six-inch tear that compromised the entire thing. It's not usually the big things that bring us down. It's the little compromises along the way. If nothing else, tonight and the next couple weeks that we look at the life of Samson, let his story be a warning to all of us. None of us is exempt. Any of us can fall. The little compromises is what opens the door is what exposes our weaknesses, and eventually the whole thing disintegrates. So we have to guard our lives and guard our hearts. The sweet things aren't always as sweet as they appear. 
that are often very damaging to our lives. So may Samson serve, if nothing else, to be a warning to us and a reminder. We're all weak, and we all need to be strong in the Lord and stay close to Him. Amen. Thank you for joining us today here on Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the book of Judges. It's a great reminder to the kid inside us, to the human flesh that is a bent to fulfill its own desires. Whatever we do, someone always sees it. Nothing goes unnoticed, especially those things we wished had been overlooked. Isn't that the role of a parent, though, to discipline the behavior of sin? Jesus is the same way with the Israelite nation and us. He doesn't allow sin to go without consequence. But He's also lovingly fair and desires each one of us to return to Him. Maybe you felt like that kid who's gotten off track with God. We can't be perfect, but we can pray that we'll have the strength to do what's right and follow in God's footsteps. Are you struggling with that? Would you like someone to pray with you? If so, please email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry located in Leesburg, Virginia, committed to sharing the love of Christ with you through sound biblical teachings that meet you where you're at. To find out more about us, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That website again is cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for listening to this edition of Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.